It is the Nate Taylor Show here on 610 Sports Radio. Carrington here, Nate Taylor here, Nick the Quick Price is here. Nate Taylor, let's just start with this. Sometimes I think we confuse things. Myself, you, okay, Nick the Quick. Uh huh. Sometimes sports are very simple. On Saturday, Team A is just better than Team B. Mm-hmm. They would beat Team B anywhere that game is played. Kansas City, Jacksonville, the moon. <laughs> they are just better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I don't really know if we need to break the game down any more than that. The Chiefs right. are just better than Jacksonville. Look, man. <laughs> Look. The thing I keep coming back to is they had their backup quarterback in. A man who hasn't completed a pass all season. The drive starts at the two-yard line, and they go 98 yards on you. I think that is when the game was first won. I think the game was then later won in the third quarter. After some halftime adjustments, the Chiefs defense did not allow the Jacksonville Jaguars to get any rhythm, any momentum. The Jags never had the lead. Despite everything that occurred with Patrick Mahomes, despite the fact that Chad Henney, again, led a 98-yard drive when he hasn't been asked to do anything of significance in the regular season. So, yeah, we have now established that the Chiefs are better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and once again, man, they, they made it, they made it to the AFC Championship. Carrington, it don't matter how you get there. Obviously, they had the one seed, but they made it to the AFC Championship. This is a successful season. I don't know what's going to happen next Sunday, but I I just want to remind people that they they traded away Tyreek Hill for a bunch of picks and then turned those picks into, like, quality contributing players. Isaiah Pacheco, George Karloftis, Isaiah Pacheco, um, you know, Trent McDuffie. Leo Chanel had snaps in an AFC divisional round game. Sky Moore had a touch. Didn't go well, but he had a touch. And none of the rookies cost them the game or put them at a huge disadvantage. Um, even with their quarterback injured, yeah, you're right, Carrington. They were the better team from beginning to end of that game. Yeah, and just, I think that Jacksonville would have had to have played a A-plus perfect game. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to make it seem like Jacksonville had no chance of winning this game. Patrick Mahomes goes out, it's 10-7. Yep. The Chiefs are in the shadow of their own end zone. The game is still undecided at that point. Anything can happen in that situation. Like yep. Anything can happen. They almost have a chance at an interception. Mm-hmm. Ball goes right through the defender's hands. They don't make the play. Right. Chiefs score a touchdown on that drive. Yep. If you go back, if you make that play, who knows how the game would have turned itself out. But that's a play you got to make. Got to make it. Trevor Lawrence throws a laser to Christian Kirk. Just drops it. Yeah. Just didn't make the play. You pay the guy $70 million to make plays in that situation. He drops the football. The game is then a 10-point game later on. You're driving down the field. You got a chance to, again, make it a one-score game. Yeah. You got fumbles. Yeah. He just fumbles the football. Yeah. He fumbles. 
you got to play a near-perfect game. And that's not to count you lost a turnover differential. Right. You didn't get a sack on Patrick Mahomes. You didn't get a sack on Chad Henney. You didn't do nearly enough to win that game. Mm-mm. You know, it goes to what we started the show with. Like, sometimes we complicate things. Sometimes Team A is just better than Team B. Like, Team A is the Chiefs here. They're yeah. a Super Bowl contending team. They're a 14-win football team. They played a nine-win happy-to-be-in-the-playoffs Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Jacksonville had a good season. Had Jackson- a great season. Jacksonville can get a – they can wear a nice T-shirt. Yeah. Next year, they'll hang a banner up for winning the AFC South. It was a great year. <laughs> these these This weekend, we're seeing the four best teams in the National Football League play each other. And Jacksonville wasn't going to crash that party. Right. Um, and the surprising thing is that, you know, it leads us to a return, a rematch of last season's AFC Championship, because when the season began, of course, Carrington, I had I had Buffalo ranked higher than Cincinnati. But you gotta you gotta earn it. You gotta go through the course of the entire season and earn those wins. And Cincinnati went up to Buffalo and had the game that I thought the Chiefs were gonna have when the season began. Like Chiefs on the road in Buffalo, Patrick Mahomes' first true road playoff game. Instead, Joe Burrow does it. Um, but you gotta earn it. You have to win. The game, and there were a number of times where the Chiefs won the game without Patrick Mahomes. And I know fans are obviously nervous as to how effective he's going to be um, in Sunday's game because I think it's pretty clear. You know, talking to Andy Reid earlier today, getting a sense from Patrick even after Saturday's game that he's going to try to do everything he can to be, um, you know, as effective as possible, to, despite not really having the mobility and obviously the elusiveness to extend plays. Um, but you gotta, you have to have game-winning plays in the postseason. And you just mentioned three where Jacksonville didn't win the game because of those plays. The Chiefs won because Justin Watson has a one-handed interception and because LeJarrius Snee and Nick Bolton create the turnover. Um, they win because Chris Jones is, pressure leads to Frank Clark sack, which is what we used to see in 2019. Um, and look, Pacheco had his best run of the season. It's amazing. Like, his longest run of the season, 39 yards, was when Chad Haney was at quarterback. So there's all these moments that lead to the result um, that prove that most times or not, the team, especially when you get into, like, the division round, championship round, the team that makes the most game-winning plays usually wins – um, and it's it's surprising to me that the Chiefs got to the AFC Championship game in this particular manner against a team in Cincinnati that has proven yet again that they are that they are at least the equal um, rival to the Chiefs right now. The the Chiefs Bills is no longer a rivalry anymore because we didn't see the third part of the chapter, and now this new thing is formed, and now the Chiefs will get a fourth chance to beat the Bengals in Sunday's championship game with a, you know, somewhat limited Patrick Mahomes. I made this analogy earlier, and I'm curious what you think. There are people whose job it is to watch film of football players. Mm. Somebody watched Patrick Mahomes film, (laughs) Deshaun Watson film, Mm -hmm. and Mitch Trubisky film, and came to the conclusion that Mitch Trubisky was the best football player out of those three. I don't know how they did that, but they did it. I don't know how you could watch Isaiah Pacheco run the football mm-hmm. and then watch Clyde Everett-Hilaire run the football and come to the conclusion that Clyde Everett-Hilaire is better. I don't get how you can do that. 
it's like you look at the spark that Isaiah Pacheco has provided for the Chiefs. You look yeah. at the spark he's provided. He's been incredible. Yes. He is a better running back than Clyde Edwards Alaire. There is more yes. explosiveness yes. with him. Your offense is more dynamic with him in it. Yes. I don't know how we missed this. Maybe some people didn't miss this. I, <laughs> I missed it. I missed it. I can admit I, it. I missed it. I, you know, when I started to watch the tape of Pacheco after the draft, and again, I need to remind everybody that, like, this man had one of the best. I just got selected in the draft Zoom call interviews of all time because he had the whole crew out there in New Jersey, and it was it was really cool. And do you remember what he said that day, Carrie? I'm ready to take another man's job. I remember this. And it's like the quote of the offseason. I'm ready to take another man's job. And it's like, man, that sounds, hey, you can't win it. You you were ready to go. And then he did it. Um, because yeah, I mean, he, that comment is really directed at one person. Yes. Because I would say he didn't take Jarek McKinnon's job. No, he didn't. McKinnon just provides a very different skill set than he provides. Yes. There was only going to be 15 carries for one individual on the team. Mm-hmm. It was between two people, mm-hmm. Clyde edwards and Isaiah Pacheco. Mm-hmm. He took his job. Took his took his job. He took his job. Um, now Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be playing for the Carolina Panthers next year, winning seven games for Derek Carr. It's remarkable. <laughs> He's a seventh-round pick who doesn't have the most fluid movement through the hole, um, but he still has 4-3 speed, which is the thing that like kind of blew my mind that he fell to the seventh round because at the time you're like, well, if he can carry the football, does he have fumble issues? And then you go on film and go, no, he has he has no fumble issues. Does he struggle? Like, is he just awful in pass protection? No, he gives legitimate effort. Okay. Can he catch the ball? Yeah, he can catch the ball. Can he work on special teams? Well, he was there. He was like a really good kick returner when he was younger in his college career. And he's 4-3 on, on the 40. Yeah. Doesn't have a ton of wiggle. But, like, but he can get to the hole. Yeah. And then he's got some force behind him on contact. It's it's crazy that a lot of teams missed on Pacheco in the seventh round and that he fits the offense really well and that when the hole is not there, he bounces it outside and still has the burst to get 39 yards. I mean, it it's remarkable that they found all these guys in the later rounds of the draft, that they continue to do it in the Brett Veach era. And – we kind of saw it in training camp. I remember telling you, like, in August, September, like, if he if he has if he has plays, if he has pop, real juice on tape that is translatable to the NFL, then like he's really he he could really be something. Now he leads the NFL in yards over expected for rookie running backs, and he was taken in the seventh round. So he's going to be really important in Sunday's game because you got to keep the Bengals honest and. Now you can hand him the ball twenty times in this game and really see if he can, if he can be just as um, explosive, just as useful, and obviously helping the Chiefs get down the field. But this is it. This was this is what proved it. I, you know, you, you always ask young players like, okay, you had a nice season, like great, everything was built for you to have success. You had success. Now they know you're running the ball because the quarterback's not there, and then he did it. And it's like, okay, that was the last thing I needed to see. Like, he, it's it's his job for uh, the future and, and for the – and obviously for the postseason. Like, I know they 
release Chris Lammons today for a potential roster spot. That could go to Jody Fortson. That could go to Shane Bouchelle if they want to have another quarterback option just in case, you know, everything doesn't go perfect for Mahomes leading up to the game. But Clyde's available to be put on the roster, but – I mean, I don't know how effective or how useful or how much they will actually use him in the game because Pacheco has ran with the ball so successful over the last, like, 10 weeks or so. Coming up on the other side of the Nate Taylor show, let's talk about the defense. And I thought the defense played incredibly well. And we got to talk about Frank the Shark Clark, (laughs) who I thought played one of his better games as the Chief. You're listening to the Nate Taylor show here live on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. It's The Nate Taylor Show here live on 610 Sports Radio. We got to talk about Frank the Shark. Now, I don't believe in the powers of playoff Frank the way that other people do. <laughs> Are you sure? You know I don't. Oh. But I can't hate, man. Frank Clark was downright impressive mm-hmm. on Saturday. There was one sequence in the game that really sums up how well he played. It was in the beginning of the second quarter, about 12 minutes left in the half in three plays. He got a tackle on a screen. He pushed the left tackle over and got tripped. I mean, Josh Allen, Tom Brady style. He tripped him. He tripped him. Nate. He tripped him. And then on the very next play, he got a sack of Trevor Lawrence, which forced a punt. Yes. I can't hate man. Yeah, you man. Know, I got I to give Frank Clark his credit, man. I got to give him his credit. Frank Clark was really impressive against Jacksonville. They're going to need that Frank Clark on Sunday against the Bengals. If they, if they get that version of Frank Clark, it's the best chance they will have had to have beaten him. It's the best chance they would have had to have beaten him. You cannot win this game without Chris Jones and Frank Clark. No, you're, you're right. And the best part is, um, so we had three total tackles. Um, he had one for loss, obviously the other being a sack. Um, it was, it was him sort of dropping back in coverage too <laughs> against, uh, against a couple of the Jaguars tight ends. Um, just very active, um, you know, didn't lose his, you know, pass rush integrity lane. Um, that's something that, yes, they're going to have to have against Joe Burrow, who's been the hardest person to tackle in a chief's uniform basically the last two years at the quarterback position. But I don't know, man. Playoff Frank is – it's a real thing. Um, most notably in 2019 where he had five sacks in the team's uh, three postseason victories, all of which came back with the team, you know, trailing from double digits um, in all three of those games to become, you know, Super Bowl champions for the first time in 50 years, you know, Frank Clark has tied Reggie White for four, four, fourth most, the fourth most sacks in postseason history. Playoff Frank is real. I know it's a passing league, but he does, he does tend to bring his best for when, you know, your best is needed. 
one of the rare like winning plays on defense in the last Super Bowl when they lost to the Buccaneers was Frank Clark getting a sack on Tom Brady early in the game to force a drive to end, which gave the Chiefs perhaps another chance to score a touchdown. Um, spoiler alert: they didn't score a touchdown, and then the and then the Buccaneers got rolling. Um, but even Frank Clark played particularly well in that game. It's just um, the the back end and the, and the linebackers weren't great in that game. All I'm trying to say is Carrington is like, look, he, he's got the statistics. Um, I wrote an entire feature on The Athletic last week where, I mean, he told me this was after they won in Denver um, where he told me that, like, you know, quote, the storm is coming soon, though. It's a storm that's coming, end quote. I mean, the man basically called a shot. He did call a shot. Basically said that, like, I'm going to pick my spots. They're going to be in the postseason. This is why you all have, you know, this is why the Chiefs obviously went out and acquired him. And, of course, his quotes after the game, he's such a good, I mean, a quote machine. This is the thing to me about Frank Clark. And I know it's going to come off like I'm hating on Frank Clark. I swear <laughs> to you I'm not. It's you, hard for me to hate on this man when, when he talks. You don't get the name. So well. You don't get the name playoff Frank by playing well against Jacksonville. Yeah. Everybody picked him to beat Jacksonville. True. Jacksonville picked them to lose to the Chiefs. <laughs> you want to know how you get the name playoff, Frank? Mm-hmm. Go doing get two it, sacks against Joe it, Burrow. Doing it against Joe Burrow. You get two sacks against Joe Burrow, you go to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. You go to the Super Bowl. Probably, yeah. If you do that on Sunday, you shut me up for forever. You've done it in two playoff runs. Mm-hmm. You playing well against Jacksonville ain't showing me nothing, bro. Look, here's this, here's this quote after the game. Quote, it gets to a point where, you know, when the money's on the line, you know who to call on. <laughs> Come on! How can you not love this man? Let me ask you a question. <laughs> there ain't nobody listening right now. I can ask you this. Okay, all right. Who's more annoying, Frank Clark or Eli Apple? That's <laughs> <laughs> totally evil. Frank is actually good. I mean, Eli is just... Eli, come on. Somebody called Eli Apple the uh, the uh, Patrick Beverly of the NFL. <laughs> and I was like, this is the most accurate comparison I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> they, called like, him, they called him Patrick Beverly. Yes. Like, hey, man, uh, Josh Allen was really inaccurate on Sunday. Yeah, guess who shut him down? <laughs> we did. I did. It's like, oh, come on. He's, he's smoking a cigar in the locker room? You are not Joe Burrow. After a divisional <laughs> round. <laughs> like, Eli, the divisional round. You are not. That's Joe the thing. Burrow. It's the divisional round. It's not like you did that in Arrowhead to go to the bowl. That's one right. thing. You had to go to the bowl. I can live with that. Frank Clark has got past the second round of the playoffs. Frank Clark has a Super Bowl ring, and he, he had a sack in all three of them playoff victories. I mean, the beauty of sports is we all need Eli Apples. We all need. We all need the guys who are. Um, you need that maximize their talent and then. Got to maximize trash talking you when things go well. You need heroes and villains. You need heroes yeah. and villains. <laughs> Eli Apple's a villain. Can he? What is the equivalent of jumping on the scores? <laughs> what is the equivalent of jumping on the scores table? Taking smoking off? a cigar in the locker room <laughs> after a divisional round matchup is the equivalent. You know, I got the. You know, when I was here, I got those boys. Has to play it around in <laughs> Minnesota. That's why you brought me in. That's why you brought me in. You brought me in so we could win the play-in game and lose in the first round of the playoffs. 
Somebody, I love that's Patrick said. Beverly. That's what, that's, that's what Eli Apple said. Look, man, I got so emotional. I jumped on the scores table of a playing game, and then got Terry leaving the lock led to the locker room. Look what I did for these fellas. Look what I did for this city. Look what I did. I carried him <laughs> on my back, man. I carried him on my back. That's what it said. But no, like if Frank plays well and Chris plays well, then like, and look, man, the opportunity is there, right? I mean. I always like to remind people that, like, you know, um, for context, Cincinnati has, or they had on on, sun, on Sunday, yesterday against the, the Bills, they had three, you know, backup offensive linemen. And the Bengals did whatever they wanted to the Bills. But that's, that's a one-game bump. You can always tell a professional athlete, hey, even if you're not a starter, hey, you're going to play this week. Man, and we get, and it's a playoff game? Those guys are gonna they're gonna try their best. They're gonna do their they're gonna they're gonna really prepare and show you why they're in the NFL. It's the second game and the third game when you realize, oh, that's why he's a backup, or oh, like I can see why he's not starting at the place of where they picked him in the draft, you know, or he's, you know, I can see why he's a rotational guy. This is the opportunity for Frank Clark and Chris Jones to like remind everybody, like, these are the three offensive linemen as to why they weren't starters for the Bengals when the season began. You got tape on them now against Buffalo, who had non-existent pass rush. Um, you know, Spags is going to blitz, so he might give you a one-on-one opportunity. Um, you know, if they can replicate what they did Saturday, where, hey, the quarterback is a little leery of Chris Jones because he's getting double teamed and he's still collapsed in the pocket, and then Frank Clark is coming around the edge to sort of sweep the quarterback from under him, then yeah, that that that's something that I can see them doing. But you're right, um, you can't have a playoff run with just one game. So Frank's got one game. Now, if you want to have another playoff run similar to 2019, beat the beat the offensive line that has three, you know, replacement level players who, by the way, played well last week. But you need to you need to do your job in reminding why they're not, you know, quote unquote, traditional starters for a quarterback who does get the ball out quick. Let me play for you a couple of things that Cincinnati said. We're, you know, we're talking a little Cincinnati, talking mm-hmm. a little Eli Apple. Let me just play this, and we'll get back to the Chiefs. And I want to get your thoughts on Mahomes and his ankle injury. Here is Zach Taylor and the shade he threw the neutral site. For the neutral site, I mean, yeah, we, we just we had our mindset to go play in Kansas City, and, and uh, it, 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 I, it, is, it is tough because they're, they have to formulate the plans for coin tosses, and they got to formulate the plans for neutral site games, and we just keep screwing it up for everybody. And I hate that for, for people that have to endure all those logistical issues, and then I, we just keep screwing it up. So I'm sorry. All right, one more I want to play for you. This is Joe Burrow. This was after the game. This was a question he was asked by Tracy Wolfson of CBS Sports. We talked about it yesterday, just that chip on your shoulder. Everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys. How much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. (laughs) Why is Cincinnati doing this? I'm serious. Why are they doing this? They were selling tickets for the AFC championship game, too. Yes, in the event that Jacksonville won on Saturday. They were selling. This is what the businesses do. Mm-hmm. You it's, know it's, it's easier a to sell tickets if you give yourself 14 days mm-hmm. as opposed to seven days. Mm-hmm. Why are they using this as some rallying cry to motivate themselves? It doesn't make any sense. 
Joe Mixon's been saying this all week. Burrow's been saying it. The coach has been saying this. Why is Cincinnati doing this? No one went out of their way to disrespect Cincinnati. Everybody respects <laughs> the Bengals. I don't. Right. Okay, last year, if you wanted to say folks didn't respect the Bengals, all right. Sure. Cool, cool, You cool, went to the cool. Super Bowl, and you haven't lost since Halloween. Everybody, everybody respects you. Everybody respects you. I just love that Tracy added the little spice in. No one was thinking about y'all. Tracy, you are literally a part of the national media, but sure. Um, this reminds me of one of my favorite moments in The Wire, Perry, too. I, I just looked it up. I, I want to make sure I get this quote right, but it is, I think it's season four, maybe, in The Wire. Um, things going bad for, for Barksdale. <laughs> at this point, things going, things going south. And Avon's like, hey, man, like, that wasn't even really true. I'm sure you know what scene I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And then Slim Charles is like, what? <laughs> and this is essentially what Zach Taylor got the whole team to, like, agree on. Hey, don't tell, don't, don't tell them we're selling tickets, too. The league put out an email saying they sold 50000 Let's fight on that. <laughs> Let's fight on that lie. <laughs> if we have, like, this is the, this is a quote from Slim Charles to Avon uh, before the most, like most expected. Y'all, y'all gonna lose. <laughs> but quote, if it's a lie, we fight on that lie. I mean, that's what war is. Yes, yeah, that's what war is. I mean, hey Joe, I'm gonna say it in the team meeting, but I want you to say it on the team bus. On the team plane, in the in the in the walkthrough, you know, Sunday morning. Hell, I want you to say it in the pre like in the pregame when we go through the tunnel. Hey, remind them that we are fighting because they tried to sell a neutral site AFC championship game in front of us. And that's what they did. I mean, do whatever you gotta do to motivate yourself, but obviously they're lying. At the same time, that's like kind of the brilliance of it. Like they so easily bought into it when I thought they were the better team going into the game. I picked them going into the game to win. I think they show they probably would have won that game. I think they show they were better. I mean, it's not just a, hey, I understand football games are different. Like there were, there were things physically that they did. They moved. They just moved them on the, on the lines. They punched them in the mouth. Like. I was thinking this. I understand the game stops. You never know how it would have happened. Buffalo didn't show me in any defensive possession that they could slow down Cincinnati. Not in the first little bit that we got to see. Nope. Not in the second game. Mm -mm. They didn't show me that they could get stops consistently. So maybe you get turnovers. Maybe an injury happens. None of us know how the game plays itself out. But you didn't show me in any defensive possession that that you could stop this other team. And the thing, too, is um, they didn't change anything up. Like, hey, if you give up 14 on the first two possessions, um, Carrington, they showed a stat on the screen, and I said, I don't need to, like, I'm going to watch because it's on television, but, like, I, the outcome has been determined. They they showed the statistics on, on, on the television, Carrington. Joe Burrow did not have an incompletion on the first two drives of the game in the snow. And the Bills hang back in that, like, cover two, cover four, shells. Like, let's not get real frisky. You know, we always in nickel. So they got just drug because 
the Bengals are like, hey, we can block that nickel cornerback if he's going to stay on the field the entire game. Um, Joe Mixon was excellent just as much as Joe Burrow was. And I would tell Steve Spagnuolo, like, you can't be going out the way Leslie, Leslie Frazier went out, which is just like, hey, we just, we just play zone. We're in nickel. Personnel's not going to change. Like, okay, Matt Milano is our best pass rusher. That's a problem. And, uh, hey, hope. Hope we hope you guys settle for field goals. First two drives, touchdowns. Well, great. Now you can dictate the rest of the game because you have run and pass available to you at all times, and we're just not going to change. We're not going to blitz you. We're not going to do something funky. We're not going to do anything that's, like, you know, creative after halftime. Man, Spags better not do that because what Cincinnati showed is that they are so talented that if you give them – in anticipation of what to look for, if you give them what they're expecting, they can move the ball down on the field on you. So, obviously, I think the Chiefs have better defensive players right now. Obviously, they have a better pass rush. Quietly, their corners are actually better than the Bills' corners right now, which is crazy. But, yeah, this this sets up a great matchup. But, man, Cincinnati had to – you got you to gotta, you gotta pump yourself up somehow. And so, I don't know if you've heard already – uh, Carrington, but Jesse Bates has said that like now the team is rallying behind. Uh, no, nah, we won't. We want Pat to be fully healthy. <laughs> we want him to be fully healthy. So, so and we they ain't got no excuses. And I'm like, that's not how football works, Jesse Bates. It's not how football works. But guess what? They're gonna be fighting on them lies until the end of the season, apparently. Coming up on the other side, we just got a report from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. I want to play that coming up on the other side. And we'll also get your take on the injury to quarterback Patrick Mahomes. That's all coming up. It's the Nate Taylor Show here live on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This is Mitch Holtish. Don't miss the Chiefs Red Half Hour every day at 1130 on Cody and Gold. We got Nate Taylor here. It's the Nate Taylor Show. Nick the Quick, if you can really quickly, can you play the latest from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network? High ankle sprain was a diagnosis for Patrick Mahomes. No doubt something we're going to be talking about right up until kickoff. And now Andy Reid talked to reporters earlier today. Sounded pretty optimistic about everything with Patrick Mahomes. First of all, this is obviously not the first high ankle sprain that he's had. Also had one in 2019. Did not miss any time with that high ankle sprain. And this one is not as serious. He called it a tweak postgame. All of that is good news. Andy Reid also said that Mahomes has been attacking rehab, doing it diligently, working extremely hard at it, and said he's going to play, which is essentially what Patrick Mahomes said after the game, did not want to come out, knew he was going to be able to get back. It's not going to be perfect. He certainly might be limited as far as his mobility, but he is going to be out there. So that's the latest from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. You've got Nate Taylor of The Athletic here. What are you hearing? What are your thoughts about Patrick Mahomes' high ankle sprain heading into the AFC Championship game? Yeah, so someone from the organization told me late Saturday night um, that, yeah, the, the, the team expected it to be a high ankle sprain. Obviously, they went through the MRI scans yeah, earlier um, on Sunday, um, that which confirmed that, yes, he has a high ankle sprain. Um, what's fascinating about all this is, um, you know, the Chiefs got the extra day because they played on Saturday instead of Sunday. Um, I'm not sure I totally believe Andy Reid when he says that, like, this 
high ankle sprain is not as severe as the one Patrick had to open the 2019 season, ironically against the Jaguars this time on the road. And this time, the, the first ankle sprain was on his left foot, not his right foot. Now, the right foot is more about planting and setting up, you know, some of his throws downfield. So I don't know if I trust Coach. Now, I do want to remind people that um, he did play the following week against the Raiders um, in Oakland, and he threw for four touchdowns. He was very good in that game. The Bengals are a much tougher challenge than the Raiders. But really what matters is the transition from him being a participant in practice on Wednesday, and I believe he will be a participant of practice. Now, he'll be limited. What that means is he could take one rep or he could take one less rep than he would do every other practice this season. Um, as Chad Henney said after the game on Saturday, he didn't take really any reps with the first-team offense, which means they all went to Patrick. I think the team will split those reps this this Wednesday um, just to get a feel for both players. Obviously, you want to keep Henney uh, a part of this game plan because he might be needed if Mahomes aggravates the injury in Sunday's game against the Bengals. But I think the big thing is he's going to be limited on Wednesday. How does he translate to Thursday? You know, when it's the first real football activity he's going to do since playing in Saturday's game. And if he's a limited participant in Thursday, which means that could give him a little bit more reps or it could be similar to what he did on Wednesday, that will be the key next step in getting him ready for Sunday's game. Now, they're going to do a ton of treatment. Um, obviously, I think he's been elevating that foot for 48 hours now for most of those of those hours. But I do get the sense that, um, A, I don't trust Andy Reid. And, B, he just needs to be a part of the practice in some capacity on Wednesday and Thursday so that the team has an idea of what he can do, what he might not be able to do in Sunday's game. What are you worried about what he's not able to do? Because I think even in the second half – we could see the plays that he could make and the plays that he couldn't make. Right. When when they ran those stretch running plays, Woo! it didn't work. It looked, it looked, it looked. I was worried. I was when like, they tried some of those screen plays mm-hmm. where I thought when the play was in front of him, I thought he could make most of those plays. The ball was a little high. Yep. But I thought he could make most of those plays. When they tried to do that one screen play, and he clearly couldn't use his lower body to, to, and had to, to do to get, all, to, to get the twerk. And had to do all arm stuff. Yep. It just didn't work. Yep. So I do think there's going to be a little bit of film. Hey, all right, we saw a little bit. This is what we think Pat's going to be able to do physically. This is what we think he's not going to be able to do physically. Mm-hmm. What are you most worried about when it comes to the high ankle sprain for Sunday? Change of direction. Like getting through your normal drop back. You might, you might be pretty okay with that because you've had, obviously, a week to, to really iron that out. But, like, the sudden burst, the change of direction, that's what, that's what worries me um, because, obviously, you don't want to – like, football players don't normally roll their ankles um, like a basketball player would. But, like, obviously, you are leaning a large amount of your weight on that ankle if you are changing directions. And so much of what Patrick does is sudden movements, flexibility – being able to extend plays. Obviously, sometimes he jumps within the middle of the pocket to get the pass off, which is what he did Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday, uh, to get the touchdown to MVS in the fourth quarter. You're right, Carrington, on like when he's in drop back mode and like, hey, we need a 15-yard completion, he can do that. Um, he actually kind of got in rhythm on that touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. If you go and you watch it, it's like, hey, he he understands where he can move in the pocket. 
He understands that, like, okay, if they're sending a blitz, my 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 short journey is right here, and then I gotta get the ball out. Um, they're gonna have probably more quick passes, some of those jet sweeps, some of those counter plays involved. But the biggest thing for me is what if what it not it's not just one offensive lineman losing or one blitz coming from one side. The biggest issue is how can he change direction if he's getting pressure from two different angles? Because in the past, he would either go backwards to create more time or he would do a sudden move to get around one of those guys to then extend the play. He won't be able to do that, which means you might have to have six-man protections, perhaps seven-man protections. But I'm not sure he can obviously run, like sprint. I'm not sure he can move to his right and throw. That was one of the best things he could do when extending plays is I run right, it's my dominant side anyway, and then I let it go. Well, if you're if you're doing that, you're 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 using your right leg, obviously your right ankle a lot. Um, so now he's gonna have to be really sound in his fundamentals, but not go back into old habits if he feels pressure because then he could aggravate it. And I think that's gonna be the hardest thing for him to get through is if the second or first read isn't there, you can't extend the play like you used to um, because then Chad Henney will probably be back in the game given how disciplined um, the Cincinnati's Bengals defense is. All right, coming up on the other side, let's talk about the other divisional games because the Eagles were downright dominant and impressive. The Cowboys were, well, they they were the Cowboys. They were the Cowboys. They were the I Cowboys. tried to believe and we'll also talk about the divisional round matchup between the Bengals and the Bills. It's, it's the Nate Taylor Show here live on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Back in on the Nate Taylor Show here. What surprised me most about the other AFC divisional round matchup is just how much more physical Cincinnati was than Buffalo. Yeah. And you know Rob hates running backs, hates the running <laughs> game, just hates it, right? Rob hates it. And I'm like, Rob, you can keep saying causation or correlation. One team was significantly better at running the football. Right. That's the team that won. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we can't just, oh, well, they only ran the ball well because they were winning. Well, maybe they were winning because they, they were running the ball. ball well. You know what I mean? Like, because they could get whatever they want. Yeah, maybe that's why they were winning. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like what's like, well, they only ran the ball well because they were up. Well, maybe they were up because they were running the ball. If Buffalo wants to, to me, next year, if they seriously want to be in the Super Bowl conversation, mm-hmm. your quarterback can't continue to be your only rush option. He can't. Right now, Buffalo's only chance of going to the Super Bowl is you need two or three games of Josh Allen throwing for over 300 yards and running for over 80. That's 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 tough to ask your quarterback to do after 17 regular season games. Yep, where he where he where he where he invites the contact. By the way, you can't keep asking him to do that. Right, you got to invest in a running back this year. Go get B. John Robinson from Texas. You gotta show a commitment to running the football. I don't think the window is closed for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody earlier, and they were kind of thinking, "Hey, I think this is the this is the fork in the road for Buffalo about where you're gonna go." Mm-hmm. I still think there's enough talent on that roster. You just gotta fundamentally change two things. 
you got to get tougher on that D-line. Yeah. You got to show a more of a commitment to being able to run the football by somebody not named Josh Allen. And I think Buffalo's right back next year. Um, They still have a just super-duper dynamic quarterback. The problem was is that they didn't want to – they didn't really put him on a lot of design runs yesterday. Um, You know, they made the trade for – Name Hines, but like he's more of a special teams kind of guy, uh, third down sort of scat back. Um, yeah, the Chiefs have a better running back than than the Bills do, and it's not the player they picked in the first round of the twenty twenty draft. Um, the reason why Cincinnati is so good, Carrington, is because they got two running backs that used to play together in college, um, with P Ryan and obviously Mixon. Yeah, running the ball matters. Um, Kyle Shanahan, yet again, just moving people with tight ends and misdirection and, like, again, very good offensive linemen. Um, Yeah, running the ball matters in January just because I also think people forget that, like, in a regular season game, you might get, what, 10, 11, 12, 13 possessions in a game. In the playoff games where teams are super-duper talented, you might get eight nine legitimate drives to get points. So you're reducing the number of possessions. Teams have to run the ball because you need to obviously have a two-way go to to move the football normally unless you have just an amazing quarterback on a heater. And, yeah, if you're a defense, how you get a team to to third and eight? You you probably got to stop the run on one of those either first or second down play. Um, And obviously – you know, running the ball matters in the red zone and in short yardage situations, which are only more magnified when you get further into the postseason. So it makes sense that Buffalo was a team that really needed Von Miller to be like a superstar from beginning to end. He unfortunately got hurt. Um, Josh Allen got hurt. He dealt with the elbow injury. Um, the terrible, unfortunate timing for DeMar Hamlin. They they needed him, like the actual football player. They They – sorely needed him in that game yesterday. So if you have injuries and your team is not well built or it doesn't have enough depth, um, you can get the ball ran right down your throat and your season can end because of that. Let's move to the NFC. This Eagles team is really good. Mm-hmm. And I think we know that. Yep. And you know it's a recency bias thing. They didn't have the greatest December in early January. So I think people kind of forgot. That's a team that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. They can run the football well. They've got great pass-catching options. Yep. They've got arguably the best offensive line in the league. They've got maybe the best defense remaining in the postseason. You certainly could argue it over San Francisco's. They had 70 sacks on the season. That's a really, really good football team. Yeah. I want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, obviously. I really want Philadelphia to do it because we have been told our entire life that you can't win the Super Bowl the way the Philadelphia Eagles play. We have been told that you can't do it with that kind of quarterback, that kind of style of offense. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about really the real symbol that the NFL has changed? Be Philadelphia winning the Super Bowl. They would be unlike any other Super Bowl champion we've ever seen. Not, not in the modern era um, because they do so much option, so much read option stuff. Obviously, the quarterback is obviously involved in the running game to, to an extent. They're really good in short yardage, man. It's... It's amazing how they're like, hey, we got him. We got him to third and three. All right, one more stop. And it's like, no, they're getting they're getting five yards any way they want. Passing, throwing. It's just like 
Well, dang, we got to do it again. All right, third and one. And it's like, well, Jalen's going to get a first down on a, on a quarterback sneak that's more rugby-like than actual football. Um, yeah, man, they've been excellent all year. Um, the one equalizer for the Eagles is they haven't played the 49ers at Carrington, which means they haven't played, haven't played Nick Bosa. And if Nick Bosa can wreck the game and if Fred Warner does well in coverage or at least the middle of the field, then, hey, maybe San Francisco has a shot. I'm terrified of that crowd um, with, with Brock Purdy. Carrington, if, if, the, if the 49ers are down 10, you, you, you trusting Brock Purdy on a no, comeback? That's a great question. I mean, I, I, I said this a lot during the Cowboys, and I understand the Eagles are far better than the Cowboys. Are we certain that they're going to get down 10? <laughs> are we certain? Yep. That, that's a great question. Because I, I think from 2 to 53, I think the Niners are the best roster left. <sighs> it's so good. Now, the quarterback is a problem. I think that's the yes. worst quarterback remaining. Right. But if we're talking 2 to 53, I think they're the best roster left. I think it's them. Eagles. I think the Eagles. Yeah, are, I think the Eagles are the slightly better. The offensive yeah, line. Yeah, I think the Eagles are slightly, slightly have the Niners, advantage. Eagles, Bengals, Bengals Chiefs. Chiefs. By the way, the Chiefs have the youngest roster in the entire <laughs> tournament. Laugh. Um, it's hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just love that Nick Bosa is on like an absolute tear. Um, he doesn't have to get sacks, but like he just makes everybody nervous. It's like, man, he's always in the backfield. So if the Eagles do have the best offensive line, go ahead and show it against against a real dominant front in the 49ers. But we got I, two great games on think, Sunday, man. I think the Eagles will win. I have no idea who's gonna win between Chiefs Bengals. No we idea. Two great games on Sunday. These are the four best teams in the league. Yes. That's no disrespect to Buffalo, but these were the four best teams. At the end of the season, at, if I at this you moment, the four best yes. teams. We got him in the NFC and AFC championship game. That's Nate Taylor. It's the Nate Taylor Show. Dusty Like is up next. Take care of yourself. to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.